Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. This is the final episode of 2021, and I sit down with nationally syndicated radio host Andrew Wilkow. That conversation is next. First, let's have a conversation about coffee. The perfect coffee for this time of year has to be pumpkin spice flavored, and it has to be from American Pride Roasters. And that's where the American Pride Roasters first Thanksgiving blend comes in. APR coffee is so flavorful. It's roasted in the heart of Iowa and sent fresh to you to enjoy at home this holiday season. So why not give the first Thanksgiving blend a try with its delectable pumpkin spice flavor, perfect to enjoy while you're watching football. I mean, that's, that's what I plan on doing. Hey, did you know that the first NFL games to be played on Thanksgiving took place back in 1920? But the first ever football game to be played on Thanksgiving Day was between Yale and Princeton way back in 1876. Wow. So get the coffee for the season. The first Thanksgiving blend from APR Coffee at aprcoffee.com. Use promo code ATM at checkout. You're going to get 10% off your entire purchase. That's aprcoffee.com, promo code ATM. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Andrew Wilkow is a mainstay in the world of talk radio, but his background is in music radio. He sat down on a recent visit to the studio, and we hear his story right now on this week's edition of At The Mic. Thanks so much for making time. I really appreciate it, man. No problem. I'm in town. Yeah. You know? This is good. This is good. All right. Well, I appreciate you making time, uh, you know, at the end of a very, very long day for you. So yeah, I might be a little loopy. So you know, <laughs> that's good. Uh, some some of this might be a little incoherent. That's good. Well, that's the name of the show right here. Okay, let's go to the beginning. I know you were born in Florida, hmm? but you were raised in New York. Mm-hmm. How long were you in Florida before you ended up in New York? Because obviously you have the accent. hours. I'm adopted. <laughs> so my, ah. my 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 parents uh, had gotten, I guess, word that. Uh, uh, there was a little boy who was about to be born and, you know, was up going to go up for adoption. So they flew down. Uh, they got all their legal papers together and flew me right back. Well, that's cool, man. So you were especially picked then, huh? Yeah. No, that's uh, cool. It, it's funny. that I was born in Hollywood Beach and then um, my grandparents got a condo on Hollywood Beach. So every vacation I ever spent as a kid was on the beach in the town where I was born, which I have such an affection for. And I'm, I've taken my kids there, and you know, it's just it's it's be, it's best known if you know the movie Porky's. It's the backdrop <laughs> for the movie Angel Beach is really Hollywood Beach. Okay, so when did you find out that you were adopted? Uh, right before my parents sent me to sleepaway camp, I was like about nine years old, and they told me, uh, "By the way, you're adopted." And the bus, you know. That was an interesting summer. The summer of 1981 was very interesting for me. Why did they choose right then? Not not like a sit down at a meal or something. You know? I, well, you know, I don't think there's. I don't think there was a, a handbook um, back in 1981 for mm-hmm. that. You, you couldn't just consult social media or watch a YouTube video. So I think my parents thought we'll tell them, and I'll have the whole. You know, he'll have this fun summer away, and uh, you know, he'll forget all about it. Oh. I don't know. Uh, have you met your birth parents? No. Is that, so you have no idea no. who they are. All right. Do you have any interest in no. that? No. All right. Very good. By the way, I, I should say that uh, I know the audience is very familiar with you um, because you host a show on Blaze TV. And I want to go through your career and how you ended up to the point where you're at now because I find it very fascinating. 
And I also find it fascinating that you went to school at the University of Florida. Yep. You came back to the University of that. Okay, so. <laughs> well, the, how'd that happen? The, the funny thing was that <laughs> because I was adopted, I was born a ward of the state. So I had what looked like a social security card. And I, I wanted to go. I thought you had to go to journalism school. Right, I thought to do radio, you had to go to journalism school. That yeah. was, you know, what your guidance counselor would tell you. Uh -huh. <laughs> and Syracuse was really expensive. Yep. And I started doing all the research, and I was not that great of a student in high school. And I started doing the research um, later. I went. I, I ended up going to a two-year college in upstate New York. I I was not that great of a student, and I got into this two-year school, and I I went right into the radio station. College radio station, uh -huh. you know, and and the kind of college radio station that pretty much you play whatever you want, dude. You know, and it was barely ever. <laughs> I was like sometimes off the air for like four hours at a time, and I just, I just, if you, I, I'm just rocking the reel back if you want the story to get yeah. to Florida. Yeah, that people didn't really. It was kind of like the AV Squad, and I came in there and I was like, "This is stupid. Why are you letting this radio station go off the air?" And one of the first things I did when I left for class was. I put a soundtrack in. I remember one day I put the Pretty Woman soundtrack in the movie, Pretty Woman, because at least it was different artists. It would play for an hour, and I can get back. Nice. So Because the other DJ didn't show up. <laughs> so I, I basically asserted oh. myself, and I became the program director. All right. And I, I started, like, making rules. I spelt, spent so much time with that radio station that I failed out of college. Oh. And I couldn't tell my parents. So I enrolled in the two-year state school, the sister school that was back home, and I didn't tell them why I was, I just, I want to, I want to, I want to come home. I want to try, you know, I want to be, Oh no! I, I want to intern or something. And I did not show them my fail out letter till I got the first grade grades of the first semester that I was home. But I had gone to that radio station and it was in not much, wasn't much better. And I quickly became the program director. Hmm. And one of the things that I did, the school I went to was called Farmingdale. It was 88% black in the dormitories, okay. but I don't know what the percentage was with, with the commuter students. And I went around with clipboards asking people what they wanted to hear. And I remember having a staff meeting. I said, look, after 5 p.m., we're hip-hop, reggae, and R&B. Huh. And the, the DJs were like angry. I'm like, the dormitories, this is carrier current, right? If you know anything about radio, carrier current is, it's on the premises, I was right? Say, it's basically an intercom. You're not getting far out of the campus and, there. A lot of the kids really respected the fact that, you know, here I was, this white guy saying, like, look, this is what the demographic, and this is where I learned a lot about radio. So I, I was going to, I wanted to go to Florida or Syracuse. I, I had researched Syracuse when I was graduating high school. I had no chance of getting it. I mean, I'm in the same boat as you, And, by the way. and probably affording it <laughs> was not going to happen. Yeah, I don't even know why I sent my SAT grades to Syracuse. It was just for the fun of it. <laughs> I... Applied for the University of Florida. I did not get in because they were counting the first grade I got in the school that I failed out, even though I repeated the class. Oh. So the only way I can get in was to go to Santa Fe Community College, which was the community college in Alachua County, next in Gainesville. Little did I know that having that ward of the state card let me walk <laughs> right into the courthouse oh, no. and, and become a state resident to get in-state tuition. I was technically award of the state. How long did it take you to figure that out? I, I think my dad found the card and he was like, well, the worst you can do is go into the, you know, admissions and see what they say. And they didn't really have it. So I went down to the, the county court. I walked in. They looked at it, went boom, boom, gave me a letter saying I'm a state huh. resident. I went back to admissions. I'm like, here you go. Awesome. In-state tuition. Yes. Ah, 
Talk about a discount, huh? Yeah. That is really cool. So you go and you major in communications. Yep. Um, I know you were in a fraternity. Yeah, Sigma Alpha Mu. My dad was too. Any any good pranks or anything that you pulled while you were in there? I pledged. I transferred in. Um, just I, I transferred in. I was turning 21. So I was three years older than the average pledge. Uh-huh. And it really was something like my dad was really active in the fraternity. And, you know, growing up, you know, he would tell me, you know, he would get all these stories. And Animal House was his favorite movie. And, <laughs> you know, I, I thought going off to college was going to be like all the movies I watched on the old USA Up All Night, right? These like crazy parties, uh-huh. you know. And the 90s were not that much fun, uh-huh. to, be, to be totally honest, the political yeah. correctness and uh-huh. all that. Like the 90s were not fun that way. Um, <laughs> But I remember when I when I first went away to school, no fraternities, two-year school, no fraternities, second college, community college, no fraternities. And then I was transferring in, and they they had they had a chapter. And my dad really was, like, excited, and I went out and joined, um, even though I was old enough to drink. So, okay. Uh, I wanted to ask you, though, since you were so much older than everybody else in the fraternity, I mean... No, it, it was one semester. You know, your pledge semester is oh, one okay. semester, so oh, okay. you know it, right. it's you know a few months. I just wonder what your nickname was. You know, uh, well, I transfer. I, I played hockey, so oh. and uh, there was some other things that might have earned the name, but it was puck because they couldn't put the other word on the back of my. <laughs> they couldn't awesome. put the other, another word on the back of my. Sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, a lot of good memories. Yeah. Then okay, good. So let's go back to earlier in your childhood. What's the earliest thing that you remember? If I thought about my crib or something. Well, see, I if mean, it's, if it's got to be radio related, I will tell you. <laughs> no, that no, no. It's anything because see, normally there's there's time between scheduling these interviews and actually doing them, and I send an email to give you a heads up. But I just grabbed you in the hallway today, and I said, "Get in here." So I didn't give you time to think of any of this stuff. I mean, you know, I had a pretty basic childhood. Yeah. Um, I, I was mesmerized by radio as of, at, at a very early age. It was something that I, I really glommed onto. But earliest childhood memory, oh my god! <laughs> it's okay if you can't think of something, man. I, I remember my dad getting me the big wheel. Um, oh, nice. Oh, you know what's funny? I actually, you know, um, my son is going to be six, and he is really into Spider Man. And I remember I had pneumonia. My parents brought me this Spider Man web shooter, which was just a dart with a string on it. Oh, cool! And I remember being in the hospital and like. I was probably four, you know, and I couldn't go home. And I was like, it sucked. Like, yeah. you know, you. and then my parents brought me this. But I showed my son the commercial from it from like the, like the mid-70s, you know. Oh. He's like, wow, daddy. I'm like, yeah, yours are way cooler. You know, ours was just a dark gun. I've never seen these at all. It's like, all, I'll, it's, if you type, if you type in. Oh, I will. Uh, later. Yeah. Yeah, I will. What, what, what do I type in? Just like uh, Spider-Man. I, Spider-Man toy Risk. commercial okay. 1976 oh, or something cool. or 77. I'm going to check that out. Now you've got me thinking about nostalgia and, and my big wheel when you mentioned that. Man, I had a fire engine red big wheel with uh, yellow handlebars and uh, the darkest day of my childhood, Andrew. <sighs> that was, I was just barreling down the road, not looking where I was going. And I looked up and the last minute I saw somebody had parked an RV in front of my neighbor's house and I turned it real quick and it just completely shredded the, the plastic. Oh, yeah. And well, it just, it was done. It was I, done. Had the pla- I had the plastic one <laughs> that... If you remember, it had the pedals and then the handbrake, 
Yes. And that, was, that was all in the 70s. And uh-huh. then, then they started making like branded ones like by the late 70s. And it was like, <laughs> it was all the same thing, right? Yeah. Except this one said like Knight Rider or Dukes of Hazzard. Right, like, right. Like early 80s. Uh-huh. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So when did you have the realization, I want to be on the radio? When did that hit you? When I was like, I, I got used to get in a lot of trouble in third grade. Miss <laughs> Halpern's class, Shorewood Elementary. <laughs> I drew radio controls on the inside of my binder. And I would take a pencil and close the binder rings on the pencil. And I would talk into the pencil. Nice. And That's it just so awesome. happens that my last name, W-I-L-K-O-W, could be a radio. radio. No kidding. And I would, I would do like live stuff. And she would come over and rip the pencil. I would get in all kinds of trouble. Oh, no. And we, we had this little radio station in my town called 1240 WGBB. It was a full-service station. So, like, contemporary hits, news, a little bit of talk. And I would listen to it all day and all night. And I was like, I, I, that's, that's what I want to do. And when you tell your family <laughs> you want to do radio, like, they, they think you're nuts. Right. And when I went off to college to circle to that, the college radio thing, it was kind of like, like a hobby. And then, I, like I said, I failed out of school. But then I, I actually got myself into the journalism and communications program at, at the University of Florida. My parents were like, okay, now that's real, right? Like, like you've been doing all this other stuff and, and you know, transferring and, and trying to get grades. But once I got into that school, I think they realized like, hey, he's, he's hit his groove. He's really going to do this. Mm-hmm. And then I had... You know, I had interned at a New York City market station in Long Island, w, the, the very famous WDRE-LIR, which I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary on. It was the first alternative station in the country oh, nice. to play like, you know, they started in like 79, 80. But in the 80s, early 80s, they were playing U2 when U2 wasn't on commercial radio, sure. REM, all that stuff. Wow. And I got to intern there in their more latter evolution creative day uh, um, corporate days where they were sold off but that's where I really proved myself is that I was the morning show intern I I got to do the morning show and I was also going to the local college that's where I transferred home I was also the program to the local college radio station so I mean this is this all built up to to Florida and then I got on the FM rock station in Gainesville and I think that made my family go, okay, now he's actually doing this. It's actually happening while he's in college. But you know what sucks? And every radio person has probably been through this. I graduate, and I thought, well, I'm from the University of Florida, top-notch communication school. I was on Rock 104 in Gainesville. I'm going to walk right... I couldn't get arrested, hmm. man. I, I ended up working at a Harley-Davidson dealership, and, and then I, I, I sold cars, and... I, I just, I, I couldn't, and I said, that's it. I got to go back to Florida. I got to find a station that knows where I'm coming from, you know, Gainesville and Rock 104. And I got on a top 40 station in the Panhandle that paid six bucks an hour for the weekends. That's where a lot of what you know of me now starts. I worked in a strip club as a DJ <laughs> outside of Eglin Air Force Base. And... Working there made me more conservative. It started with political correctness, right? Like the early 90s political correctness. You know, what you now call woke. If you've ever seen the movie PCU, uh, that was 
that was kind of like I, I found it obnoxious and annoying, and I found the people that supported <laughs> that stuff is, is kind of stupid and ignorant. But working in in a, in a as a DJ in a strip club, <laughs> uh, I, that could be a whole other podcast. That could be. So, so you were playing the music then? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Or? I was the I was the announcer. Yeah, I was the okay. guy like you know. Let's give it up for Bubbles. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and I saw things in there that oh no, just watch. It, it was it was very it was a very dark time. Mm. I I have never visited one since not working in one. Mm-hmm. But you know, you just you see men that come in that are just so dissatisfied with their mm. marriages, I guess, or their lives. And then you see a bunch of women who work there that you spend five minutes with them. You go, I know why you're here. You know, like you know, yeah. it's just it's it, it was it was it was not like one of these places that are are famous in the big cities where it's a business for a lot of these people. It was kind of like a last resort. Oh depot. no, oh, yeah, no. it was not not uh, anything pretty. Doesn't sound like it, it was fun there. Um, Okay, so you're you're working for six dollars an hour. Uh, you two said shifts Panama, a week, three shifts a week, two, sh- two shifts a two, week, two shifts Saturday week. and Sunday. Okay, so and you mentioned in there Harley Davidson and selling yep. cars. How how did that? I mean, it sucked. Really, I I, I can see you. Uh, I can see you moving some inventory. I thought I, I, thought I could. I, I thought <laughs> I could talk. I I talk on the radio. I could sell a car. My heart was not in it. Yeah. Um, and that was the dawn of the internet when. Mm. You, you, you really couldn't fast talk people. Not that I thought you should, but people came in with like printouts of car prices. They're like, this is what I want to pay for the car. Yeah. And like your boss is like, get in there and tell them it's, you know, uh-huh. it just, it, I didn't last very long at that. Yeah. I wasn't long for that. So from Florida, is the next stop going to be Morgantown, West Virginia for you? Yeah. Um, I was, I left, I left my Florida college back home for a year, back to Florida. Mm-hmm. In Florida, uh, sending out demos, sending out demos, sending sure. out demos, and I, I get a bite uh, from 100.1 WCLG in Morgantown. And that's West Virginia University, right? So I'm still pretty young. It's a very young town. I, I think they just, I, I think it was like a warm body situation <laughs> because the salary in 1998 was $13,000. Yeah. I mean, even in 1998, and even in West Virginia, that's, that's not a, it's not a lot of money for radio. No. And at that time, I had to do three hours. So I was on the air six to midnight. And I had to do three hours of production. So I was there three to midnight. Oh, wow. I think I figured I was making like four bucks an hour. Oh. Then I got a job at um, another house of ill repute. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I didn't really want to do that much longer. So I ended up leveraging my DJ job all the bars we were doing promotions, I ended up bartending. I ended up bartending at a bar like literally next door to the radio station. Oh, wow. And then I got another bartending job during the day. So I would bartend 10 in the morning. They'd let me out. The other guy would get there at like 10 minutes to three so I could run. I would walk from the bar to the radio station, do my production, do my shift, then go down to the downtown bar at, at night Bro. and then be there till whenever. And this, When did you sleep? I didn't. <laughs> I only did. I mean, it wasn't every day. It wasn't. It wasn't every day, but it was. It was three jobs God. to. And I remember the owner of the radio station pulling me aside. He goes, "You know, you're making me look bad." I'm what? like, "I'm like, what do you mean?" He goes, "Well, the bar I was working at was a college bar at night, but it was more of a grown-up bar. Um, you know, they serve martinis and stuff." He's like, "You know, there are people here from the Chamber of Commerce that see you in there, 
He goes, they think I'm not paying you a whole lot. I'm like, you're not. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I never, I'm not asking you for a raise, man. Right. I'm like, but I got, I don't know what you think the cost of living is, but for, you know, unless you want me to go live like in a, in, you know, I don't know where you think I'm. You, right. a professional broadcaster should live. I wasn't asking for any more money, but, and I didn't have a wife and kid at that time. And that probably would have been really, it was a struggle on its own. Sure. But that was a very tough time. Um, and when people look at what we do, I can't speak for everyone. I know that I didn't just walk in and become a show pony. And I'm not a show pony now. You know, but I didn't just walk in and get this easy. You know, people think, oh, you just talk for three. Well, I could talk for three hours. If you think a three-hour talk radio show, especially political, mm -hmm. is just three hours, then you don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, you live this stuff. But this was this was like when you think of a band or a pro wrestler, you hear these guys that like put themselves through. You know, it was it was breaking in was not easy, mm -mm. and I didn't. You know what? The sad thing is, I didn't even know if I would ever go beyond that radio station. Yeah, I thought maybe could this be it? You know, uh, it, it, maybe I'll be the morning show guy one day if I hang on long enough. Yeah. But I was only there for like two years. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think of markers in my mind all of the time, um, just frustrating moments where you're just like, why am I doing this? And, and I mean, it, you're absolutely right. Nobody is handling When anything. you know, the, this is no insult. When you know the person, Tom Thumb was a chain of... Uh, Grocery stores. Yeah, convenience stores. What I thought was living in West Virginia... If I get fired from the radio station, I'll probably make more going to work at the Tom Thumb. Right. Like if I just take whatever job is available, uh -huh. so I have rent to pay. All right. It was it was kind of demoralizing because you think when you get into broadcasting, like you think like it's gonna be like a real job, <laughs> and then you, you you know you find out some of these stations really. No, I'm I'm, I'm I totally understand. But you know what was good about that. Because nobody was really paying attention to what I was doing, mm -hmm. I developed, I was kind of free to do what I wanted as long as I didn't violate any FCC rules. So we had, it was a rock station in West Virginia. We had strip clubs as our advertisers. Sometimes they would say, can you put one of the girls on the air? You know? Yeah. And like, do something like have a spelling contest with them, you know, like, you know, like, it's something uh, funny. Like we would, we would do that, like, you know, morning zoo shtick yeah. stuff. But then I started to do get more political. Mm. And I remember the owner of the station told me that he was getting complaints about it. Oh, wow. And, but I realized I wasn't getting the station in trouble, but the, 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 the thing that clicked for me is I got a call. I had sent out, um, I was sending out demos. I ended up getting fired. Mm. And uh, I ended up getting fired because the owner of the station's friends didn't like me, pretty much. <laughs> Even though, at that time, I I came in there, the station was like... I know, you you increased the ratings tremendously. Yeah, that's the truth. I came in there, I think they were fifth. How the hell are you fifth in like market 189 or whatever it was? <laughs> and I started to do this like night show that ran like a morning show. I let the interns come in and play characters yeah. and be people. And I we had the local pro wrestlers, the Mason Dixon. I would bring the pro wrestlers on, you know, and like one night we were like, 
we did this thing and one of them threw a garbage can at the other. And I was like, oh my God, I just went to the next, like, I was like, we, you know, I went to commercial break uh-huh. and the phone started ringing like, what the hell just happened? And they we were in on it. It was, it was, we were doing, we were, put, <laughs> we were putting effort in, yeah. in a market at night where, you know, again, it was a warm body situation mm-hmm. and the ratings went up and up and up and up and up. And we brought the station to third overall. Mm-hmm. And, but my heart was not in the blue humor and 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 the pushing of the boundaries that way. But I I, I got fired and I had sent out some tapes and I got a call from a station in, in Hartford, Connecticut. And the guy says, look, I got an opening at 10 to 3, 10, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. He's like, it's middays. I like what you put on this demo. He goes, but if you can get rid of the blue humor, the dirty stuff, I think we got something here. And I was like, "Look, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> do this. Be right there. This is, this is, two thousand. Uh, we're talking two thousand one. I start the show, and and you said Hartford, yeah, Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. It was, it was the alternative rock station. So they're just coming out of the, the PC nineties, right? And I get in there, and I start being a conservative between records. <laughs> Back to our chat with Andrew Wilkow in just a moment. But first, let's chat about any pain you're experiencing and something that I think is going to stop it for you. It's the freeze gel from Dr. Monroe. I just love this stuff because it works for me on contact. It has everything from Dr. Monroe's signature product, the Pro 8000 cream. That's also stellar. But it also has menthol and that rollerball applicator. So helpful. It's got that K-channel technology. So you're getting the most bang for your buck with pain-reducing efficiency. And don't forget that 20% of any purchase made at DrMonroe'sCBD.com goes directly to the Child Help Abuse Hotline. So you're doing good for you and for so many others. Head to DrMonroe'sCBD.com. Don't forget to use promo code Keith, and you're going to get yourself 15% off your entire purchase. Head to DrMonroe'sCBD.com. Use promo code Keith today. The, the Michael Skakel trial was happening with one of the Kennedys, and I started going off on the Kennedys, and I started calling them the inbreds from Chappaquiddick, <laughs> right? And this is Hartford. This is New England, right? right? The Kennedys are like, and people, I mean, we were getting bombarded with phone calls, angry, and I was putting them on the air. I was like editing. You remember the old cool edits? I was putting them on the air between records. I'm like I would hit post. We were running this rock station <clears throat> almost in format like a top 40 rock 40. You might have called it. But the angry calls, and I remember the program director being like, this is gold. He's like, you're getting on the map. You're getting attention. It's not a, it's not a, the programmers call it a, there's hammocks and tents. So morning drive, afternoon drive, hammock, right? right? I was bringing up the midday and putting the listenership on par with morning and afternoon, not just right. you know, coasting you through the workday on blah, blah, blah. Like we were doing, <laughs> I was doing crazy stuff on the radio, but all I was really doing was being a conservative. Yeah. And the calls were just Gold, radio gold. And I would have to bleep them out sometimes. I'd, <laughs> I, I, my favorite thing was to put dog barks and, and whistles. Like, like, so <laughs> that's like, good. Like, rah, 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 that's like, better know. than the bleep, yeah. And, and, and that's that was the moment for me. I didn't want to do... I was also pushing 30, you know? And then 9-11 happened. Hmm. And my program director was like, you just go, man. You just go. And... uh we won over a lot of people. And the next thing that happened after that was I got the call from WABC Radio. 
They needed someone to fill in for a guy they just hired to do Sunday mornings, noon to two, and his name was Mark Levin. <laughs> and they need they needed somebody on standby in case he wanted to take a weekend off. Uh-huh. Very cool. So that, and yet, hold on a second. I saw somewhere before, because there's a lot to explore with WABC and you, mm-hmm. because that changed your life in more ways than one that we're going to get into. But I read somewhere that you were driving 300 miles. So yeah, every, I, at every first weekend. I was I was still I was still doing the midday show, and I had done a fill in for Mark, um, and that was I had I, I <laughs> man I had never done anything like this. This is my hometown station, right? I had done some fill ins. I stayed on as a rock DJ, and then um, and and I remember the the. Uh, one of the executives wanted to fire me and and my boss was like the number one most listened to talk station in the whole country just called one of our DJs to talk and you want me to fire him Uh right so this bounced around the uh, the chain of command and um, it wasn't long I was about I had done just a few fill-ins and then I got to inherit Mark's show when he went full time. Right, okay. Right, so I was the natural uh-huh. guy. The station ended up flipping from uh rock to rap in 03. And everyone had a they had secured a job for just about everyone. Actually, um one of the people I worked with went to go program the station where Glenn and Stu started, KC one oh one in in Hamden. Yeah. And the pro, the production director went and the, some of the DJs went. They were they were filling the, they, were, they said, Well, you're what we have for you might work, it might not. WGY in Albany, the 50,000-watt talker, needs a an afternoon drive guy. So WABC's program director, who's my father-in-law now, yeah. years later, yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, had, 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 had uh, recommended me for the job. So I did Monday through Friday, afternoon drive in Albany, and then Sundays noon to 2 in New York City. Yes, up, down, up, down the New York State Thruway. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Oh, for three years. Right? Yeah. My goodness. That's dedication. But uh, it paid off. Uh, okay, so again, I asked the question I asked earlier. When did you get to sleep? But <laughs> How many hours of sleep do you get a night right now? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you know, getting up prep. Now I got three kids. Right. Oh, uh, yeah, that'll change so your they, life. <laughs> I got to be up I got to be up early to get them to school, but Okay. That that those years mm-hmm. were like you, you know, some people think well, I'm a celebrity now I'm on the radio. And you're not. So I had to grind 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 those years not knowing would I get full-time at ABC, would I get full-time uh, a, a, a bigger position at, at WGY was full-time, but it wasn't paying that much. Mm-hmm. What was my my future? Um, I, I really I really wanted full-time at WABC mm-hmm. then, um, but then Sirius came. Okay, so. But, okay, so before we get down to Sirius there, uh, let's talk about, you just mentioned your father-in-law. It seems kind of dangerous to be dating the boss's daughter. But that really worked out, right? I mean, you and Brittany are married with kids now. <laughs> so Brittany was going to college outside of Hartford. Okay. And she would talk to her dad about this radio DJ who was a conservative in between records. Okay. Right? Because she was she was listening. Was this before you were at ABC? Yeah, this is before. That's okay. how I got to ABC. Oh, wow. So I didn't realize he that. Started, he started, okay. you know, he was building a bench at that time. 
So he had Mark Levin. He had Monica Crowley. Uh He was building a weekend lineup that would stand, not just be, you know, paid programming or random stuff. Like he wanted the weekends to be as solid as the, you know, the full-time lineup. Nice. And, uh, he called. He had, I guess, had listened a couple days in his office. You know, you could get online early, early on, like really nascent online. Streaming. A lot of buffering. We're, we're talking, yeah, we're talking <laughs> two thousand, two thousand two. Uh-huh. Late. Well, I was. She started listening by two thousand one. Okay. So he calls me up in April of two thousand two, and uh, I actually hung up the phone on him. Oh no! So I thought it was a prank. Oh no, man! And he calls back, and he says. This is not a joke. I'm Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh's boss. And I want to talk to you. And I think he said it facetiously, Rush Limbaugh's boss. Nobody was actually. Right. And and I I don't normally, you know, I would, I would, I occupy noon to three. So normally I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, So he says, you know, we have, uh, we have an opportunity here. I've been listening to your, your radio broadcasts. Yeah, I believe radio shows, whatever the hell he called it back then. Almost 20 years. He goes, if you could do for two hours what you're doing for two minutes, you might be a talk show host. So I went down to the city to meet him. I interviewed with him. And he told me the story. There was his his daughter that had, had heard the show. So I think I a year and a half went by of fill-ins and then working noon to two. Sometimes he'd call me up, can you do can you do nine to midnight on a Saturday? And I'd just get my butt down there. You know, I would <laughs> I would just get my butt down there. Right. It's New York City. Mm-hmm. I said to his daughter, I was like, look, at the Christmas party, let me just buy you a drink or something. You know, you Thanks for making this happen. Yeah, thanks for thanks for thanks for making this happen. Um hang on a second. Eighteen years later and three kids. I mean That's that's so cool. That's very cool. But hang on a second. At the WABC Christmas party, it wasn't an open bar? They made you pay for your drink. Oh, it was radio. Think, it was radio. Never mind. You're right. I, I, I think I, I think it was a little bit more of like, let, let me. I got it. I know. Let me I escort you. I got at, you. you know. <laughs> I got you, man. Well, that is so awesome. I didn't realize that 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 she is who got you into the door at ABC. I had just I'd heard that story. But see the internet rumors, and I, I I get people that call the show every once in a while. Yeah, the boss's you know the boss's daughter. Sure. She didn't know anything about me. I didn't know anything about her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was not looking for a boyfriend in right. that. It was just conversation that she had with her dad. And I remember him saying to me, you know, my daughter's been raised around radio. She never talks about, you know, she's like, if she's talking about this, yeah, believe me, mm-hmm. that has hung around my neck. Oh, really? Oh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. All you right. know, I had no idea. Oh, you know, there's, there was... Internet pages that you know have speculated all sorts of things, but my next moment was to exit WABC because I ended up getting the call from Sirius yeah. in two thousand five. How oh, cool! So I did only worked for my father in law for a very very short period of time huh. as a weekend host. Okay, and yeah. I think he was harder on me sometimes, knowing full well that <laughs> yeah. like people were watching. Uh-huh. You know, and I think he I I, I think. He was very well aware that if I were to, if he were to promote me in any way, that's exactly what it would look like. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, serious, serious. Then before the merger was to get that call and say, okay, here's your next viable option. Mel Carmazan heard me on the radio, heard me on WABC, and wanted to hire me away. And that's that's how I ended up serious. Okay, so and and if if folks need to know this and aren't familiar, 
It's the Will Cow Majority. Yep. And it is weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern. Yeah. Or as we say in satellite, Uh-oh. noon to 3 East, 9 to noon West. 9 to noon West. Okay. Okay. And it's channel 125, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Okay. Cool. So check out the show. Uh, Andrew's awesome. Um, now, part of your career path has taken you into the halls here at Blaze TV and Radio. I think one of the most memorable moments in the history of the network is when you were yes. on with Pat and Stu and uh, Jeffy's mic was hot and he was in the bathroom. The naked gun moment, yes. That was a naked gun moment. Uh, I, I, that, that is such a fun clip. And I'm sorry that you're forever attached to Jeffy's bathroom habits. Hey, but... you know, <laughs> you take the notoriety right. where you can get it, sure. right? Sure, okay. So I had to at least mention that because the audience, that's always coming up here. Um, but let's talk about the Sirius XM show. Where where are you based out of? To New York do City. New, New York City. City. So you're still up We're in We're literally York City. next door to Fox News in the McGraw-Hill building. So when you watch Fox and Friends, if you watch Fox and Friends, uh-huh. the, the building you see out the window, same side of the street. Okay. That's us. Oh, wow. Right, okay. right there upstairs. Very cool. How is the city these days? Uh, <laughs> the Clearly, the I am not a fan of Mike Bloomberg on any level. But I'll always say he's a competent man, hmm. and he and he was a competent man. Like you know his his trans fat bands and the salt shakers and the stupid pedestrian malls he started putting up. But he was a competent man. Bill De Blasio is an incompetent human being. Hmm. For years, the Giuliani washed away the scourge of the 70s mm-hmm. and late 80s. I've heard this from everybody. And Times Square, look, there was, there's always going to be colorful characters, right? You get the mm-hmm. naked cowboy um, <laughs> and, uh, and others. Now you're starting to see, now that the foot traffic has subsided substantially, I mean, there are still tourists. You see, you, you see the influx of street urchins, essentially, right? And then... There's it's kind of bare on the streets. So like, was there always a couple of homeless people right. or a couple of drunk people or a couple of drugged out people? Sure, but the foot traffic would kind of cover it. Uh huh. Yeah. Now, now you see sort of the return of the old Times Square. Oh boy. Without the foot traffic that may have given it a little bit of camouflage, and now that that uh, marijuana is decriminalized and so is public urination and defecation, it. It smells like the it it the the streets smell like the Port Authority bathroom. Oh, like I was walking in oh, no. when I, when I first came back when they when they lifted quarantine. I'm like, it smells like pee and pot here. Can I just interject for a second because you just triggered me in a major way because one of my biggest pet peeves when I lived in New York City and I took the bus every day from Port Authority were these. Stupid, low-flow, no-water urinals that never flushed, and you're right. Those bathrooms are literally straight out of the pit of hell. Yeah. And you're telling me now the city, the entire city smells like that. It's 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 like that, and I could I could do it. We could do a whole podcast on that bathroom because <laughs> it, it, it's like, is this is this an insane asylum in here? Because I've walked by there, and there was a guy standing there one morning in a tank top just screaming at people going into the bathroom. I came back to go home. He oh. was still there. I've been, been like, doing that still, all day. Still there. That was his but job. I, I remember the day. I don't remember what day it was, but I remember the day that Bill de Blasio announced the decriminalization of, of public public urination. I'm walking up 8th Avenue past 42nd Street, and I got to the Dwayne Reed at like 
forty, I think it's the 48th where I hooked the right to, and this guy just, I mean, you know, traditionally people would saddle up to a building, right? Like, you know, try to find like a little, right. little highway. A little, a little this guy just dropped. Oh, no. Hands up. No. Right? Hands up. And he was just, just doing this hands over his head no. dance. No. Just, just freely, you know, if his name was IP Freely, you know, like, like. <laughs> Uh, the Simpsons, and I'm like, that's <laughs> you got that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, man, this is De Blasio's New York City, and then now the area where uh, Fox Radio City, yeah. that area, it just it smells like really like weed and 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 whiz. I can't imagine a mayor having to make an announcement that. Oh, by the way, if uh, if you feel the need to uh, urinate, go for it. Okay. Oh my goodness, New York City. So, how do you commute into the city? Bus. Take the bus. Okay, so you spend a lot of time on your phone, I'd imagine. Uh, it depends on the day. Some days I take the bus from my town. Sometimes I okay. drive halfway to a park and ride. Most days, especially with the with the, like the no traffic, there's a park and ride right under the bridge, the overpass of the Lincoln Tunnel. So it's like just it's just and now it's just ten minutes. Okay, like if there's no traffic, oh, okay, you, I go, well, I drive in and just shoot. I was it. I was gonna ask how you spent your time on the commute and if you had a favorite. Texting app. my producer. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just texting my producer, <laughs> sending him audio. Like I'll. I'll be scrolling through stuff and and uh, or I'll be watching YouTube and I'll right. be like, hey, you know, get me this piece of audio, okay, please. You a big reader? I don't read for a, I, don't, I haven't read for yeah. enjoyment in forever. Do you have a favorite book of all time? See, again, these are the questions that I could have prepared you for, but I, I just all right. Well, you. there's there's <laughs> you know, if you're asking me about my contemporaries i've read a lot of their books right okay uh how about the classics though? marks or books are always great um yes and you know of course the ayn rand and mm -hmm. I, I think the, if you were going to ask me that like what book would i sit my children down and right and there's a good one watership down hmm. if you've never seen read the book or or seen the animated movie it it's kind of like an animal farm type of thing that there's two groups of rabbits, and one live under the state of control. Well, there's three groups around this farm rabbits in a hutch. And well, yeah, yeah, I don't. It's the there's a lot of analogies about mm -hmm. freedom versus tyranny. Oh, cool. In these groups of rabbits, it sounds silly. No, it does but not. Richard J. Adams, who wrote the book, uh, I just no, this is good because it's, it's one of those book titles that I've seen my entire life, but never taken a nanosecond to if explore. You, it. If you watch the animated film. Which okay. I did. I was a little kid when it came out. The animated film, I don't know, as a little kid, spoke to me. And oh, wow. then I was in a literature course in college, and you had this. It was. It was. The professor said, "Like, I want you to select the book. I want you to select the book that something." And I remember going out and getting the book. Oh. And I said, I brought it to him, and he goes, "This is my favorite book." Wow. So I was like, "All right, this is the book." You're I'm, in, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. He was like, "This is one of my or one of my favorite books." But the the story to teach children. About freedom and liberty. Yeah, the story is really amazing. Okay, well, the book, uh, the book, I think is a little bit more more adult than the animated film. Okay, the original animated, I think they remade it, but yeah, the book is amazing. The book right. and the movie are amazing. All right, I can't wait to check this out. I, I'm I'm kind of ashamed that I never took a moment to explore this title that I that I've seen everywhere throughout my entire life. Okay, you've worked obviously in rock radio stations. Is that your favorite musical genre if you had to pick one? Or is there any bands that, that you want to uh, give a shout out to here? Well, it's funny. Over the years, when you work in rock radio, it's your job. And it's your job to, to, to sell the music in the stations. That, you know, 
if you if you grow up thinking that everyone you hear on the radio is in love with every song that they play, they're not. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there were some there were some bands that you know it 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 it's funny over the years there were bands I came to appreciate more and more and more, and then over the years I found out some of the some of the bands that I really do appreciate had members that listened to my radio show. Oh, that is cool, man. So, for example, uh, Aaron Lewis from Stain. Aaron and I have been friends now for 12 years. I don't mm -hmm. know. But I remember playing his records on the radio and and I actually um, promoting a concert. You know, not no, just knowing him as a band that we played uh, on the radio and then we became friends years down the road. That's cool, man. Um, I'm a huge Ramones fan. CJ Ramone and I are friends. Turned out he had listened to the program. Mm. Um, the lead singer of All That Remains, Phil Labonte. Um, we've had a lot of bands reach out to us over the years. Kind of kind of feeling like I started a website in 16, 18, 2004 called <laughs> conservativepunk.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was me and my old, uh -huh. my old producer. Well, he became my producer. You know, a lot of conservatives either don't like that music or had to, I guess, pre-libertarian involvement, mm -hmm. had to be like, that music's bad. Well, I liked it. You know, I like metal, I like punk, I like hardcore, I'm a huge rockabilly fan. You know, I can be seen walking around in a Misfit Skull t-shirt. Um, <laughs> and I, I never, I always thought, that is not my values. Right, that's not my values, that's just the music I like. Yeah. And I understand that it's entertainment, you know? Um, when I started letting that out more in talk radio, I found a lot more people felt included where they may not have felt included in a in a in a in a radio program or a, a Republican Party that was more blue blazer khaki pants. Yeah, that's a good you know, point. That guy, that tattooed guy with a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. You know. He might be in church on Sunday. Yeah, he might run a small business. You know, he might be a mechanic who's up you, uh, works his works his butt off every day. You know, he's a conservative. You are literally describing God rest his soul, Richard Bachschmidt, who was my program director in Charleston, South Carolina, who had tattoos on every corner of his body, and played uh, guitar for a punk band, and he was a free thinking conservative, and he is exactly what you just described. But a lot, but see it. Punk got, Johnny Ramone was a huge conservative, huge conservative. Um, I I think a lot a lot of the before punk became adopted by the left wing as a I guess an art form for their politics. A lot of punks were rejecting the hippie movement. Okay, right. So huh. you know these seven minute songs with self indulgent solos gave way to two minutes of just you know pure. You know, energy and, uh -huh. and speed and power. That's and good. like, if you listen to guys like James Hetfield now from Metallica, mm. you know, he sounds an awful lot like a conservative. Mm. You listen to, you know, you look at, at Dave Mustaine from Megadeth, you know, or listen to Tom Araya from Slayer. I mean, he gave this whole speech about how, you know, America's great because of the Second Amendment. You know, metal and punk and hardcore don't get the credit they deserve hmm. for being pro-freedom. I love it. I love it. You mentioned the Second Amendment. So let me ask you this. Who is Andrew Wilkow's favorite founding father? Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Uh, if you had to just pick one. 
and why? Would you count George Washington as a founding father? Sure. I think George Washington, for as, for as amazing as the framers of the Constitution, when you read John Adams and, and you read the Federalist Papers and you, you read the ratification debates, the moment George Washington walked away from power, what did the king say? If he's really going to do that, he's... I, I think that that is something so extraordinary... The, the, the philosophy behind the Constitution, it, it's like a martial art. You could read it a hundred times. You got to, you, you know, it, it's like a martial art. Like you get higher learning and understanding of why every line in the Constitution makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. like all of these things that, that we now take for granted aren't properly taught in, in government-run education that the Democrat and, and, and a lot of Republicans, the Democrat Party has completely abandoned it and the Republicans ignore it. Sometimes are 2% less crappy. <laughs> that, that if you really look at the wisdom of how that is framed, it's amazing. But I think you take all of that, you aggregate all of that, and you take the moment where George Washington said, I'm done. I don't want to I don't want to be your king. You know, if you read his first inaugural address, he says, look, I'm not here to lord over you. You have a Congress. You, we the people, have elected this Congress. You know, I will give, you know, I, I, George Washington, I think, is, is such an amazing figure. Um, was it John Adams that, that was the first, I think it was John Adams in the Federalist Papers, decrying slavery? I think that's pretty amazing too. It was a global condition. And I think he posited that a man cannot be both property and subject to the law. That a person, either if they're property, they cannot be subject to the law. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I think I think a lot of that early understanding that slavery was bad, um, I think that's pretty amazing too. I think you look at Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin. Um, I, I think you have such extraordinarily I mean I do we do we have anyone <laughs> stop think about what these men they they aggregated every single form of government track record of monarchs his human history to that moment human history to that moment and they founded a nation they they didn't it was it was it was just when when you hear these Democrats oh, bottom up not top down no, the Constitution was bottom up, you know I mean it really it it was not meant we were not meant to have these people sitting in what used to be a swamp, you know lording over us. It's amazing a form of government that so many of us take for granted was radical outside-the-box thinking 250 years ago. Well, think about what that did to them. Think about, think about being a monarch. You're the king of France, you're the king of Spain, you're the king of England, and you hear this ragtag bunch of people <laughs> just defeated the British military, and they're forming a government where all men are created equal, that power will be divided 
not in the form of dukes and earls and grants of land that the people where they reside will have a local government and from that they will have a county government you know that that sounds like a lot of layers but that divided the government the king didn't send down try, try to imagine thinking is that going to happen here like <laughs> is there going to be a re like are, are these people going to revolt and that's always the you know what they say about thomas paine and some of the others that they fomented revolution in france for its sake um but I don't need to go too deep into that. I can only imagine what it must have been to be a, a lord or a, a, a man of nobility, mm -hmm. seeing that this ragtag group of people just not only defeated the strongest military in the world, they also founded a government on, on justice. Uh, it was a collection of some of the greatest minds of all time Collected you know what's, in one you know sick. I, I don't mean to cut you off. Is that that when you listen to some academics who think the American Revolution was bad, <laughs> the, like they they really envy Australia now. I don't want to live. Australia started as a prison colony, hasn't gotten much further. And no, it's you literally know, circled it's, back. It's back yeah, like, yeah, like <laughs> you guys, yeah, that was a joke. No, it's not. Uh huh. They they you know we all agree that slavery was wrong. But when they say things like, well, if, if if America lost the revolution, slavery would have ended earlier because England outlawed it before the United States. Well, you don't think our defeat of the British military didn't buckle their empire and they knew that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't continue on. Mm -hmm. I, I believe losing to us changed everything about England and its view of itself. Um, obviously, slavery is the worst part of our chapter but when they say the country was founded no slavery was a global condition mm -hmm. but like i said there were framers that were uncomfortable with it and i i don't think we would it would be impossible to go back in times like you're gonna have to stay a slave for the three-fifths compromise until this thing called civil war happens right that would that would be but where else was where else was this not being practiced right i mean we literally fought a civil war that ended slavery. We we emancipated the slaves. I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's see here. This is going to take some thought, okay? Got it. Because uh, I've only been at this for like, what, like eight hours I, straight? I told you, man. I dragged you in loopy. here. Yeah. That's so why you're asking me questions like, which my favorite founding father? What's my favorite yeah. book? You need some of this here? I mean, I can help you out. I got some uh, stash in here if you need uh, oh, some help. There'll be time for that. Good. Okay, so... Ooh, Western Sun. I, yeah. I do like that. You want you want it? Well, no, we're, we're, no, okay. no, 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 I'll no. Just no. put it back in my desk drawer there. Uh, okay. They just got a free plug. <laughs> okay, so if you were stranded on a deserted island and you could only have five possessions, what would they be? <laughs> There's no cell service there, by the way. So I'm not even try that stuff with me. I've well, already I was saying, that. Could, could, could like be like a generator? I mean, yeah, sure. But again, you got to hook that in. Are you gonna have a cool? Fired power well, I guess that, I don't know. I gotta then stop. I, then I guess solar panels. I see every one of these conversations, Andrew. I ask this question. I back myself into a corner. I've got to. I keep saying, take this question out. Solar panels, probably. <laughs> a gun, obviously. I'd probably want my AR. Uh -huh. You know. <laughs> um, water purification. Okay. Looks at you, practical stuff. Oh. Um. Satellite. TV. I'd let you do. I'd let you combine those. Yeah, I would probably have some <laughs> communication device and something to make fire. But no, you know what? A tent. 
Would you want a, a like? I want a, 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 a gun, a tent, okay. a generator, uh, a solar panel, some form of entertainment, and water purification. Okay, but no ham radio to help you get off the island. Well, I said some form of communication. Yeah. yeah okay. So. Okay. I got you. All right. Very good. Very good. Uh, what's the most scared you've ever been in your life? Anything come to mind? Any particular instance? Okay. You really want that one? Um, of course. Working. 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 The. First um, strip club I worked in was a real, oh no, oh no, real dangerous place. And, yeah, uh, did you wear a full body suit every night? No, but uh, <laughs> a DJ had gotten shot before I took the job. Oh wow! We in had, the club? Yeah, in the club, in the DJ oh, booth, God. right in the right in the DJ booth. Um, we were not supposed to be fraternizing with the girls. No, oh, Andrew. Some of the bouncers um, didn't exactly follow the rules, so. Uh, one night, uh, one of the bouncers, I guess he was uh, he was with one of the girls, a group of gentlemen who I believe did not speak English were hassling her. He uh, also spoke the language, so he understood everything they were saying about him and what they were going to do to him when he went outside alone. So he comes to the DJ booth and he says, uh, if I'm not back in two minutes, come get me. So I go behind the bar and I tell the bartender, she's like, well, you better get out there. And she handed me a baseball bat and a two by four. So I sort of, the door kind of swang both ways. I kind of butted myself out with like, you know, the bat and the two by four. And uh, <laughs> I remember in the chaos of that, he was surrounded by these dudes and he was yelling at him in Spanish. And he goes, hey, where you been? And uh, he goes, don't let him get behind you. And I, I reached back and I was like, okay. Oh boy. I, either I'm dead or going to jail. Or if God, there's something you're going to do here, do it now. Mm -hmm. And the guy just started making a motion to back off the other guys he was with. And uh, they got in the van and they just kept driving up and down the block real slow. I remember thinking when we closed up at four in the morning, you know, and they were gone. But I, <laughs> yeah, because the it's other one I would just say is when my daughter uh, was very, very little. She was on a high chair, and my wife and I were like cleaning around the house, and she pushed off the chair and and and, and landed on her head. Oh, and we had to take her, to, and she threw up in the car, and we oh, take her no. to the hospital. I remember being on my knees, terrified, praying. Yeah. And my oldest daughter was like, what's the matter, Daddy? I said, I said, Ayla, you know, hit her head. She could have damaged her brain. And she mm. felt, I mean, we're talking a high, the high, high chair. We had a high, high uh, kitchen table, and she pushed her feet off and sent the chair flying all the way back. Oh. Now there was some padding back there, but it turned out she's fine. Oh, good. Okay. But so, still, I mean, th that's, those, those that's, moments. How old was she? 14 months, 15 oh, months. See, they're at that age where they can't tell you exactly. And she, what's they, they, were, they wanted to do it. She might have been a little, a little, about 18 months. But she was, they wanted to do an MRI on her. They could not get, she was freaking out. Mm -hmm. And they were checking, they were trying to get her pupils. And they, I remember them saying like, just watch her for the next, you know, 24 hours, get back to us. We were like, that was the worst I bet. 24 hours of my life. Wow. Uh, my gosh, I'm glad she's okay. So what's Andrew Wilkow's favorite comfort food? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't put down pizza. And beer, yes, uh, yes. I've had to, I haven't had a beer in almost two years because I just I don't know I'm 
49 now and just somewhere in my late 40s uh the weight didn't come off <laughs> like it like it used to <laughs> so i stopped drinking beer okay i barely i will have a like i will have a half of a slice of pizza if the kids get it but i used to be able to sit down and just house a whole pizza and like a six pack of beer and like you know <laughs> like like that you know i got you okay very good uh let's see here any interesting talents uh, that you have uh, that people don't know about that you could share with us i can cook wow uh, what's your uh, favorite dish to make well it depends i mean i i get i i like to make all sorts of things but you you texans might appreciate this um i used to have a smoker i don't have a smoker anymore i just have a plain weber grill but what i'll do is i'll boil chicken okay and i'll get a really good barbecue sauce and i'll pull the do the pulled chicken and then i'll put the barbecue sauce i'll put the tray back in the like a like a tin tray aluminum tray in the fridge let it marinate for a couple hours and then i'll push all the charcoal to one side and then when the fire starts to get a little ashy i'll put wet hickory or mesquite wood on it it'll start to smoke really smoke put the chicken in the grill put the top on so let the vent open let that go for like three four hours oh, I'm starving now thank you and then I'll, I'll start getting on the mac and cheese and all that other <laughs> stuff i don't know i i i can cook pretty good italian okay uh Right. I don't know. I just I have a knack. I, I like being in the kitchen. I like cooking. That is really cool, man. Good for you. If you could go back in history, could meet one person. Oh, you? these. You know, I. It's been seven hours. I. Um, <laughs> I told you. I, I'm sorry. I grabbed you in the hallway today, man. You know, I probably would say I. I would. Um, Can't pick Jesus. <laughs> I. I think. I don't know. There's, there's, there's like the smart side of me, like, oh, I like to see the Declaration of Independence being signed, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think I've answered in the past. I would love to have seen what it was like when Alan Freed started first started playing rock and roll on the radio. Like, wow, that's what, an out what, of the box answer. What, what was that like when people heard rock and roll on the radio for the first time? You know, like, what was that like? Yeah. What what was it like the first time Johnny B. Good played on the radio? You know, or Gene Vincent or Buddy Holly or something like that, like that that started us in this direction of 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 rock music. I don't know. I I like it. I, I that's that's really good. I was looking up here. I don't I don't want to be incorrect here. Was he in was that Omaha, Nebraska, or where was that? Do you have any well, there idea? There was Murray the K, and then there was Alan Freed. Alan Freed was in New York City. All right, very good. I think that Top 40 started in Omaha because I think what happened was, I think the program director of a rock and roll station used to eat at a diner, and he would pay attention to the jukebox. that Everybody would keep playing the same things. Anyway, and so that's the end. What's your most embarrassing moment? <laughs> You have to do a whole nother... A whole nother show. No, that's some stuff I can't... Uh, is, there nah, I'm not, that, is there anything you want to share? I'm going to make you edit some of the stuff I said already. I don't know. Oh, no! <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Try, well, most embarrassing moment. Yeah. Anything from childhood? Hmm? Uh, no. Okay. No. I we, mean, you know, we, we gr can, girls, we, girls not wanting to go out with you, or well, I mean, that's telling, telling you no to dance, telling you to asking a girl to dance right in front of your friends, or saying no. Had that <laughs> happened, 
Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, any regrets that you would care to share? Regrets? That didn't happen inside the CLG studio? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, um, are you talking about career-wise? No, anywhere, anytime, anytime, anything. No. Okay. No. Okay. Anything on maybe your bucket list that you want to accomplish in your lifetime? See, a lot of these questions, like I said, it would have been helpful to email them to you, right? <laughs> no. No. Uh, so you're, you're, you're good. I mean, like, there's no big goal All right, there. so, yeah, okay. So when I was a little kid, my parents took me to Disney in 1978, hmm. and we stayed at, like, a Days Inn. Me and my cousin, my, my aunt, my uncle, my, my parents. And... uh. They, uh, we drove to the park and we got on the monorail and it pulled into the contemporary. Oh. And I see all these happy kids in their mouse ears and, and Mickey Mouse shirts. And when I say, so this will go to your second one, yeah. I melted down. Oh, no. This is the hotel where the monorail yeah, goes the, inside. Walt Disney's vision of, of, you know, this is before the Grand Floridian, it was only the Polynesian and the... Yes, the, yes, yes, yes. I had a meltdown of, like, six-year-old at Disney, epic, inferno proportions. Wow. And I remember screaming. Oh, no. I told my wife this when we first started having kids. I was like, when I'm a dad, I'm going to take my kids here. I'm going to make them stay. And not, you know, like, I remember just, like, like melting down oh, on no. the monorail, oh, no. like in front of all the people. How old were you? Six, five oh, or six no. years old. It was 78. Oh. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> I remember just as soon as I saw what this was and I wanted to stay there. And my parents were like, no, we're staying at the motel yeah. somewhere in Kissimmee. <laughs> and uh, I remember we were booking the first trip with our kids. And I was like, we're staying at the Okay. You know, I was like, that cinder block is going to come off my shoulder. Like, and I remember it being so satisfying. Uh, I, my kids woke up in the contemporary. They got on the monorail. They were those kids. I you know, my kids were those kids. Yep. Somebody else can melt down. Uh, I hate to tell you this, but uh, I ended up staying at the contemporary when I was about... Eight years old. It was a good time. See, yeah. <laughs> My kids don't understand the pain. The I know, pain. right, right. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see here. I'm almost done with you, and then I'll then I'll release you from this uh, marathon day, Andrew Wilkow. What's in your uh, Amazon cart right now? I refuse to shop on Amazon. Yeah, I figured you would. I, I, I expected that. My dad answer. was a small business owner, and mm -hmm. look, I believe in the free market. Mm -hmm. But I go out of my way, like... These are made in the USA sneakers, believe it or not. Oh, wow. These are made in the USA shorts. Okay. I. So is there a conservative Amazon out there? An alternative? Some I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 uh, a business yeah. in your town. Do they have an app, though? No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm i a curmudgeon that way. I yeah. like going into a family-owned business. I like knowing when I buy something, I'm buying it you know, from someone who lives in my community or near my community. I like it, yeah. You know, I, it sucks that like a lot of the mom and pop clothing stores are, are gone. Um, I, I, I like, I, I do. And I do. I like shopping with, with mom and pops if I can, if I can. Yeah. So I just remember my dad, you know, growing up in that, in that house, I'm one of the, 
you want to talk about conservative lessons. I remember my dad saying to me at a very young age, I don't open that store. We don't eat. This is our family business. And I impart that on my kids. My kids, you know, will sometimes be like, well, why are you going to Dallas? Because this is what daddy does for a living. This is what hard work looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, daddy's got daddy's to, you know, be prepared. Daddy's got to be on time. Daddy's got to do a good job. And and if I don't, people will listen to something else. You know, and, and my daughter's expressed interest in, in being in radio. And right now she's kind of going through like a like a preteen, like, yeah. whatever, dad. <laughs> oh, and, boy, isn't it fun? Yeah. How old are your kids? 11, uh, 11 8, and 5. Okay. Uh, Desiree, my oldest will be 12, my middle will be 9, and my oldest, my youngest will be 6. But she's kind of going through like, you know, she, you know, I know, dad, you always have to be on time. And I'm like, well, you do have to be on time. Right. I said, planes take off without you, you know? <laughs> like, you know, birthday parties start without you. A birthday party should be on time for. But I, I'll explain to her, you want to do the things. There's no being late in what I do. I was like, the show starts with or without you. Mm-hmm. And you missed that enough times and somebody else is doing that. I am trying to explain to her, hey, the world is not TikTok. The world is not YouTube. Uh, there's a real world. And look, I'm not trying to deny her, you know, the fun of having what we didn't have. I mean, like my dad thought Space Invaders was stupid. Um <laughs> And his dad thought pinball was stupid, so it's yeah. it's generational. And when she gives you lip, just remind her, hey, I took you to the contemporary. She doesn't her, her idea, <laughs> but like she, she more like dad, dad, uh-huh. you know, like dad. <laughs> and I'll be like, I'll be like, you know, I'll tell her, I'm like, you have no idea how bad I can embarrass you in front of your friends. Uh, don't, no idea. Don't push your luck, uh, Missy. Okay, all right. Um, people can find you on Twitter. At WillCow Majority. At WillCow Majority. On Facebook, Andrew WillCow, WillCow Majority. Then there's a separate WillCow page okay. uh, for, for the Blaze show. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm so bad at social media. I really am. I, I have not posted on Instagram in four years. Mm. The last picture is me and Ace Fraley from Kiss. <laughs> um, I. It's tough to be everywhere, I man. don't know the algorithms. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I tweet, you know, but I don't really think like, oh, am I hashtagging this right? Am I timing it right? Am I tweet decking it so it gets maximum? And you're I, tweeting it through um, Will Come Majority. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, you know, yeah. But I don't, I don't, I don't have anyone helping me like boost my followers. I'm right. not buying followers. No, I mean, no, no. I did, you know, it was shocking. I had, I, I like one day, all of a sudden, 15,000 followers were gone. And I'm like, yeah. all right, you're, you're messing with me now. Yeah. No, they had fun with that. Yep. Uh, we all experienced that purge. Trying to think if there's anything else here. Let's see. We pretty much covered everything. Anything that I've missed? Something you want to hit us with? Anything uh, you want to promote coming down the pike? Nope. Okay. Nope, 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 nope. I am so grateful that you took time to come in here. I'm sorry that it was the end of a marathon day for you, but thanks for making time, Andrew Wilkow, on At The Mic, buddy. No problem. It was such a great time sitting down with Andrew Wilkow. Uh, I want to thank him for joining us for this conversation, but I also I want to thank you for joining us for this conversation And for all 79 that we have had over the past two years, we actually started this podcast in March of 2020. And I appreciate you being along for the ride the entire time. Thank you so much. It's been a memorable second season of At The Mic Show Conversations as we conclude our 2021 episodes. But we'll be back. We'll be back on uh, Thursday, January 13th, 2022. So a couple of months from now, we'll be back uh, with new episodes. If you want to set a reminder in your calendar on your phone, January 13th, 2022. That's when all new episodes will begin. Uh, You can uh, always bookmark 
at themikeshow.com. And uh, while we're away for a bit, it's a good time for you to catch up on any past episodes you missed. It's a season of giving. Why don't you send that link at themikeshow.com to your family and friends? Show them that you care. <laughs> Uh, and as we do head into that season of giving, I hope you'll stop by at themikeshop.com. Take a look at some of the merchandise we have over there. Should have the winter caps available by now. Boy, I feel like me recording that is going to jinx it, but that is the plan, that we have some winter caps available there uh, just in time for Christmas giving at themikeshop.com. Well, until we chat again in just a couple of months, please go be free and thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect.